called them the Mennonites, which is where the name Meningitis comes from. And that's the story of Christmas. Well, Larry, it's the end of the year, and you know what that means. Uh, not really. Tax uh, time coming up. That's right. Uh, print your W-2s. You can find them online in most cases, depending on who you use for your payroll system. Uh, we also need to talk about the Golden Gizmos, uh, the, oh, yeah. the end-of-year event that we have every year. Uh, very inconsistent on what platform we do it, <laughs> but this well, year it's on a podcast. Well, it's been transitioning. We did it as a podcast and on the website for a couple of years, and now this time just podcasts, so you know. Yeah. But uh, the Golden Gizmos is, is, is more your thing, so why don't you kind of explain uh, what it is we're going to do on this very special episode of Destroy All Children. It's, uh, well, Golden Gizmos, our end-of-year awards, where we will discuss, we have our own personal lists of uh, various categories. There are fewer categories this year, um, due to a couple of factors, one being that this doesn't need to be a six-hour-long nightmare uh, encompassing our entire day, like it has been in the past. Uh, the other reason is, not a lot this year. So, yeah. uh, a lot of categories that we've had in the past really there wasn't even anything in them like for example we had a best multiplayer category what came out this year that's multiplayer who knows not me star wars congratulations to star wars squadron by winning it on virtue of being the only multiplayer game that larry and i have played all year long i mean i've played two games of it so i didn't even put that on the list i just took the category out because who cares um well but uh yeah Stuff like that, like best remake, remodel. There wasn't really any big. Re well, there was one big remake this year, but I haven't that, played it yet. The whole year was remakes. <laughs> well, no, Pretty the whole much. year was ports. It, they weren't even. They didn't even have the decency yeah. to make remakes. Um, I don't. I'm looking at my game of the year list. I, we'll get to it. But well, in any case, there, there I am excited one, to talk but about. I feel like you know you need more than one to fill out a category. Yeah, sure. Look. In any case, I'm excited to talk about the same five video games That's for right. the next two hours. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell us what our first category well, here's the is? Thing. I don't want to spoil things, but okay. uh, I think you're going to be very surprised with at least one oh. of my picks. Okay. All right, what, what category do you want to start with? We're not going to do Game Come of on. the Year first. But... First, let me open up this NOS Turbo. They started making Diet NOS again. So, off the wagon. That's a lot of caffeine. I'm very, I'm very disappointed in you for many reasons. Um, Tastes like chemicals. I love it. Uh, I'm sorry. What did you ask me? I said, what category <laughs> what do you want to start with? Oh, well, I kind of feel like we just got best multiplayer out of the way by ejecting it. So. I was going to say that uh, the one that I've really been kind of like trying to figure out on my end is best new character. Cause oh. like talk about how this <laughs> yeah. year has been really trim. I'm struggling to kind of settle on like one new character that I felt stood out. Uh, but you play 13 Sentinels. Yes, I did. So maybe there's someone from 13 Sentinels. I'm willing to, uh, acquiesce my authority in this category and give it all to you and let you decide who the best new character of 2020 is. 
Because hmm. I know it's going to be someone from 13 Sentinels. I mean, come on. No, it's not. What? It's not. Then I want my power back. Honestly, I didn't even really think about 13 Sentinels for the characters. Uh, <laughs> because there's so many of them. And then I was like, wait, who, who, who did what? But actually... I thought you were going to say Bazonga Teacher, but apparently... No. Uh, no, because she's, she's like fairly minor in the overall scheme of things. Actually, I would say... Yeah. Uh, now, here's the problem with putting me on the spot is I can't remember these 20 Japanese names. Uh, <laughs> the the cat, maybe, is who I would put on the list. But All right, that would, my, that would have been my second guess. So, But my top three for best new character. Uh, number three, Adachi from Yakuza 7. Mm. He's an ex-cop, and uh, he's cool. He doesn't give a crap so, what anybody thinks, and he beats people with batons. So this is probably a good time to mention, like, very early on, that I have not played Yakuza 7. That's right. I have a feeling that this it's... is going to show up in your list uh-huh. constantly. Yeah. Uh, I have not played it because I would rather play it on current-gen hardware, uh, which for me is just PlayStation 5, and Sega made that deal that has really fucking boned me on that. That's right. So I have to wait a while until it actually comes out to play it. So I've not had my time with Yakuza 7 yet. Um, but then my second place for best new character is Quolock from Ori and the Will of the Wisps. He's a uh, big frogman. He's sort of the Yoda type character in that game. I like him a lot. He's great. I love frogs in video games. Yeah, so he's a, I have not he's played that game either, but frog. I already like him. Um, mm. And yeah, and like this is kind of the reason I didn't really think of anything from 13 Sentinels is because number one, he kind of has to be. Ichiban Kasuga from Yakuza 7. There Yakuza 7 is just, just filling out the list. Because of course it does. Yeah. I mean, I actually almost put... Um, again, I'm bad with names. The uh, the doctor guy that you meet. Like, your first actual party member. Uh, he almost was going to be three on the list. But then I thought, oh, I'll hand one out to Quolock. So, Dr. Dick. Yeah, the original concept was that it was going to be all Yakuza characters. But... <laughs> Well, I so like that's look. I have no it's new characters, and yeah. everything else yes. in this list is like sequels to games. Yeah. So the the only ones that I could really kind of think of would be from like Ghost of Tsushima, which I didn't feel strongly about any particular character in that game to the point that I would say they're the best of 2020 in the way that I yeah. have proclaimed other characters to be the best in Gizmo's past. Uh, but speaking of Gizmo's past, I, I kind of feel that this year really screwed with the theming of this category. Uh-huh. And so maybe we should just acknowledge what the theming of that was and kind of show our hand with it. But like the idea of this category was we would always only have the winner be a skeleton. Yeah. And there were no skeletons this year. Yeah. So 2020 is in fact the worst year in gaming since we have been doing this. It's almost like... Uh... I kind of wanted to just give it to the rolling skeletons in Demon Souls, but <laughs> me like, too. They're, they're not new. You can't do they're that. Not, we can't yeah. bend it. We can't bend God. it like Beckham. <sighs> Didn't one year we give it to like one of these skeletons that are just like discarded at like on the side of a level in a Dark Souls game? Probably. I want to say that, that we did. Right. Like one, where you would one put year... the sign down that says "Nice Skeleton" 
Yeah. yeah, one year it was Papyrus from Undertale. One year it was remember, um, yeah. Jeffrey the Skeleton from Roundabout. One time it was uh, Miss what, Mr. Death. What was his name? Yeah, I think it was Mr. Death from Let It from, Die. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uncle Death. This year, no skeletons. That was it. Yeah, that's what that's what uh, Hideki becomes when when he passes. He becomes Uncle Death instead of the funky uncle. Yeah, Hideki Naganuma, you should probably say yeah. so people know what Hideki I you're was, talking about, you I, freak. <laughs> just blanking on the last name for some reason. Anyway, yeah, best new character this year was tough for me, so I have nothing, so I guess we are going with uh, Ichiban from Yakuza. That's right. Dragon. He's great. I like him a lot as a protagonist because uh, he's not just a carbon copy of Kazuma Kiryu. He's uh, much goofier. Uh, but of course he has that sort of like Goku type tendency to go into Serious mode when he has to uh, Yeah And also he's a fan of Dragon Quest So I saw a Twitter post that was All the times Dragon Quest was referenced In Yakuza 7 <laughs> and I thought Boy this sure seems like a neat game I wish I was cool enough to play it Oh it's a lot he brings it up quite a bit It was a long Twitter Thread Larry yeah. Okay um well, then let's just move on to Most Moxie, which is a category for games that uh, they just go for it. They don't care what anybody thinks. Yeah. Uh, they're just doing their own thing. They're getting weird with it. And I gave this to Yakuza 7 uh, because <laughs> he took a series that is seven games deep and has always been an action game. And we're just like, eh, we'll make it a JRPG. Why not? Yeah. So I do want to note with this category. That under normal circumstances, this does not necessarily need to be a good game. No, that gets this award. It's just, yeah, it's just a game that has moxie. Whether or not it makes it good on that moxie or is in fact good, like doesn't Suda, matter. Suda fifty one games, like he Suda is like the patron yeah. saint of most moxie. Yes. Uh, if this were an actual award show, he would present the award every single year. Yeah, it would be called like, the fly him Suda, out at our own expense. It'd be like called the Suda Fifty One Memorial Award, even though he's not dead. <laughs> of most Moxie, <laughs> sure. He would he would come dressed out like the uh, Grim Reaper every year. Yeah, exactly. Just in black robes and a giant scythe. Yes. <laughs> um, but Yakuza Seven definitely does not seem like a bad video game. So. It's not. But I wanted to make a favorite, note of that anyway. But that's just because I don't really like JRPGs that much. But it's definitely good. Yeah. I am still curious if you're actually going to be able to finish it because I know that you have picked up a lot of JRPGs that I think are fantastic, and they have taken you forever to get through because you have a tendency to get roughly two thirds into a JRPG and then bounce off of it. Yep. And then, at best, you will come back to it like a year later and actually finish it. Yeah. So, so well, this is also a weird one because it's on Xbox and I don't like playing an Xbox or a Yakuza game on Xbox is really weird to me. But I think what's going to happen yeah. is I'm going to end up buying it because like I have it out from Gamefly and I have since it came out. Uh, I'm going to end up just buying it when it hits like 20 bucks on Xbox Live or something. So then I can just sort of pop into it now and then. Uh, thanks to the power is, of quick resume This is your version of Sonic Mania Where you're going to end up owning it like three or four times Before the generation is done Well no, just predicting twice, it Because now. I'll just wait for it on PS5 When it hits 20 bucks over there and get a disc copy uh, So yeah. then at least my whole collection Is on PlayStation 
Um, yeah, but yeah. splitting collections between consoles just rubs me all wrong. So, like, I kind of, I kind of get you on that of wanting to play it now and having a console that will play it right now. So you want to play the game, but then you want to have that kind of like parody on your shelf where it's all on the same platform. Yep. So. Yeah, I, hey, one day I will play Yakuza 7 and then probably in the 2021 Gizmos, assuming we haven't died of COVID uh-huh. before then, <laughs> um, I, would I will say probably be talking about Yakuza 7. I, I think we can probably bend the rules next year and allow it. Uh, I'm hitting <laughs> you my, just I'm want hitting Yakuza 7 to win more awards. <laughs> hitting my gavel and saying, I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Because Well, sure. nor- normally we don't allow ports. Of games that have been previously released to be eligible for that year's award, um, yeah. but considering that you do not have an Xbox is kind of the main thing. Um, yeah, it is a weird situation where it's it's not even that. Oh, George, you could go out and buy an Xbox right now. Like it is definitely not super available at no. the moment, and also it's five hundred dollars, and it does not really have anything on it that I really want to rush out and go play right now, other than Yakuza Seven. You can play Sonic Unleashed. I. G- Every time I enter one of like the world, like the hub stages as the werehog and the frame rate chugs, I think, God, what would this game look like at 60 frames a second? I bet it's fucking insane. Is it unlocked to 60? I I don't know. Like that's that's part of it is I've not sat down and actually tried to figure out if somebody has put I don't think a single living human being has put Sonic Unleashed into an Xbox Series X to see how it runs. I don't think anyone cares enough other than me. I mean, you could just like look at a wall or something and see if you can get to 60, or at least something you can tell is above 30. I'm pretty sure it only caps at 30, if, even, I, if I had to guess. Even so, not sat down and tried to it would at least time. max out at 30. It, w- it would like keep it steady there instead of chugging. Yes. I was talking yeah, to somebody on when... Twitter recently who actually was specifically saying they wanted to play Sonic Unleashed on Xbox Series <laughs> oh, no. X, uh, and it reminded me of you. I'm not alone in my psychosis. Yeah. There are other people that have the same brain disease that I have. That's um, something to be proud of. No, definitely not. But I paid my $12, and every time I hop into a werehog stage and it hits like 10 frames a second, I kind of think to myself, like, you know, I could probably clear space for a Series X. I paid my money, not, and I'm going to play not, all the not, werehogs. <laughs> not ju- you have to. There's a fucking lot of them there. I like when the... Look, I'm not going to get too far into this, but I like that when you do the time attack stages for that, the like qualifier for the Werehog stages is beat it in 30 minutes. Great. Like, that's... No, the opposite <laughs> of great. It's bad. I know. It's really terrible. But, but no, but like besides just Sonic Unleashed, I have a lot of Xbox 360 games that I've kind of been looking at again and going like, you know, enough time has passed that I would gladly sit down and replay a bunch of these but like I would rather do it on a console that I know is actually going to run them very well because a lot of those games I know also like had frame rate issues. Like th- that generation games did not run super well. Yeah. So anyway, uh, can anyway. we do the best game under thirty dollars? What was your entry for most Moxie? Oh, I so that's the thing is I don't really. No game I sat down and played that came out in 2020 specifically leapt out to me as having a lot of moxie. Okay. That's that's sort of the problem. Like, this, along with best character, I really, really struggle to come up with something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if I did play like a dra- like I've talked to you enough about like a dragon, and I've seen enough of like a dragon that I'm pretty confident that takes the award for most Moxie. I don't think I have seen anything else that I haven't even firsthand experienced that leaps out to me the same way that Yakuza 7 does. You've seen that screenshot that I took of the trash men monsters. Yeah. Just trash bags with human legs that you fight. Pseudo trash. Yeah. Yeah. That's that actually was probably the moment where I knew that this would win most moxie. <laughs> okay. That and the uh, the so... monkey operating like a backhoe or whatever it is. <laughs> so another one for me is the like uh I don't know what you would call them in the game actually, like your finishers or your summon moves, but uh, like pound mates. Like yeah, this game definitely wins most moxie. <laughs> uh no, the one where he cracks the egg into the rice. Yeah. And then eats it and gets super powerful. So, yeah, like... There's also, um... Oh, God, what's it called? The, like, Pokemon-style thing. But it's about weirdo perverts. Um, oh. You go... Oh, I'm not... Okay, I'm not gonna spoil that for you, because you're gonna play the game eventually, but... Okay. There's a lot of yeah. weird stuff in that game. You you need yeah, to defeat I... the Piss Wizard, is what I'm saying. Five hundred dollars for a Series X, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. if they approve that stimulus check. Uh, That's right, uh... Bernie. Give us two thousand dollars so George can get an Xbox Series X. I could put that all into my IRA, but like, if we're looking at it realistically, I'm never going to be able to retire, so I might as well have an Xbox right now. Good point. You can play uh... Daytona on it. You can play Conquer Live and Reloaded on it. I I could pick up my bootleg copy of Conquer's Bad Fur Day and play that if I really wanted to. Or, or you right could now, play the better version of it. I could. Also. I'm gonna. Um, yeah, okay. Well. Yeah, my, my kind of problem that I had with 2020, though, was there was just very little for me to play, and so I mostly just kind of stuck to, like, the major releases, and out of those major releases, I don't necessarily think any of those had Moxie. A lot of them played it fairly safe. Uh, so, yeah, th- those two categories I'm pushing into your lap I have no real input on either of them, but I have lots of input on Best Under 30. I had kind of a similar experience with games, though, this year. Uh, Whereas you retreated fully into retro games, uh, for me it was just like getting completion in games that I've already had sitting around for a while and never did before. Like getting Platinums in all the Spyro games and um, Resident Evil 2 most recently. Like That's basically been what i've been doing this year because a lot of the new stuff's just eh. Mm. yeah like not to spoil things we're doing a top five for our total best of the year normally it's top 10 but uh, i had trouble filling out this list and i was like do i really care enough about assassin's creed valhalla to have it at number nine here (laughs) and the answer is no i literally could only think of like eight games that i played this year yeah. That would actually meet like a top 10. And like when that is it, and I'm just basically counting like all the major releases that I played, mm-hmm. like not even necessarily liking all of them. Like, is that really worth making a top 10 out of where I could do like a top five? So we settle on. Yeah, exactly. Like I, this top five, I feel good about uh, beyond that, like, you know, six or seven, you know, okay. They were pretty good, yeah. but um, like not again, spoiling, but yeah, cause a seven would have been like a, a number six or seven. 
I think it was at yeah. six for me. Uh, just again, since I don't really care that much about JRPGs, I like it, but uh, not not as much as the other stuff here. But yeah. okay, uh, then what best next? Best under thirty. Oh, best under thirty. All right. Did you oh, play what? mini video games that cost you less to, less than thirty American dollars? I this played year? two of them. Uh, and okay. Both what, are, what are yours? Number uh, number two was Crosscode, which is a smaller indie game that I've liked quite a bit. I haven't finished it. I haven't actually played a whole lot of it either, but I've liked a lot of what I've played of it. Um, it's a top-down. It's essentially a Zelda-type game, but um, with almost a dual-stick shooter mechanics, where you're launching these orbs to solve puzzles and defeat enemies. Uh, it's got a lot of RPG mechanics, uh, like equipment, stats, whatever, leveling up. Um, it I really liked it. A lot. Okay. Uh, that, that was what was your top? Pass. Number one was Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Okay. Which again, I've talked at length back when I played uh, on the pa- 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 on the podcast. Um, so I don't really have a whole lot to add about that, except that it is one of the best okay. search action games I've ever played, and uh, everybody should go check it out. Larry, both the games that you mentioned are terrible. Let me tell you about Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2, a game that owns. Okay. It's so good. So I have not finished it. In fact, I have not gotten super far in Bloodstained 2. Uh, I feel like that's going to be I initially this whole episode. No, I, like most of the games that I'm... In fact, I think pretty much all of them from this point on, I have played to completion. This is the only one where I... I thought that I would have it done by last night, but it is a surprisingly long game. Actually, I guess that's uh, the, true. Like, the remaining stuff here I've played all the way. Yeah. The original Bloodstained, I want to say, I beat probably in, like, two or three hours. It's not a very long game. It's kind of like no. the average length of... It's maybe, like, Castlevania three in terms of length. In yeah. 2, there are, like, over 16, 20 levels in that thing. There's a there's a lot, and there's branching pathways within those levels that are only accessible by certain characters. Because speaking of Castlevania three, this works on a similar mechanic of you can hot swap between different characters who have different uh, traversal and attack abilities uh, mid level, and that changes significantly the flow of the game. That first game uh, had that too. It it did yeah. So this is still you know kind of working on the the same system as that original one, but. The characters feel a lot more diverse in this one. So I have Dominique, uh, who is a, she's like a, she's got a spear and yep. she can do spells, sort of like Sypha. Uh, she has a lot of really good sub weapons that are just, they seem almost maybe too powerful. They're really good for just clearing the screen of enemies, but her health is not great. So they kind of try to balance that out. Uh, you have, I can't remember the name of the character actually, but it is a, it's a dog inside of a mech. Ooh. And it's, it's so good. Like, it lets you hover. It ignores, uh, like, spikes, so you can just, like, walk over them. It has, like, a brief invincibility period that uses your uh, mana, basically the game's version of hearts. And then last, you have, like, they put Grant Dynasty in the game. That's Hell why this yeah. is the best under 30. <laughs> they put in Grant Dynasty, but he has a fucking gun. They gave him a gun, Larry. (laughs) 
So he has like a, a sniper attack. You, he's got a pistol and then he can also like cling to walls and bounce off of them. And so he can kind of jump up into tight spaces and things like that. Uh, he can crawl under uh, certain like low level uh, objects. Excuse me. Um, so all the characters just, they, they feel really good to play. I was sour on the game initially though, because I started it in uh, legendary mode. Cause I was like, Hey, I played a Castlevania. I can handle knockback and like limited lives. And when one character dies, all of them die. Like that's, that's fine. I know what I'm doing. And I made it like three levels into that. And I decided to turn the difficulty down. Right. Because uh, that mode reduces the availability of checkpoints. And at that point, it just becomes way too damn long between checkpoints that it starts to get really tedious when you have to constantly go back and redo stuff. Uh, it adds the ghost enemies from Castlevania's to every single screen in the game. So you're constantly dealing with enemies just appearing out of nowhere to fuck with you. Oh, great. And like that just gets extremely annoying very quickly. Uh, and then it still has like the knockback, uh, which is in just kind of like the veteran mode, which is the game's like normal difficulty. So I just bounced back down to normal and I've been having a much better time with it. Uh, but the boxes are still like big, crazy set pieces. The levels just have very good flow to them. I'm really enjoying the different characters. Uh, when you go to like the mid-level screen, it's kind of like, again, Castlevania 3, where it's sort of showing like a, a map and like where you're on, like the sort of path you've been taking between the levels. But then like at the bottom, you have all your characters around a bonfire and they're always doing something unique based on the level that they've just been to. So like there was um like the ice level everyone's like sipping on hot cocoa and kind of shivering surrounded like surrounding a campfire and stuff like that so they do these little like cute character things on the bottom there that i really like oh um, like red dead redemption 2 <laughs> yeah sure uh yeah i'm i'm having a really good time with curse of the moon 2 it is a lot of game uh, for 15 bucks, I think you really get your money's worth. I paid 10 personally, and I was expecting it to be as short as the original. There's a lot more game there. Uh, yeah. So I think it is a solid purchase under 30 bucks if you're a fan of Castlevania and you really want like a retro style platformer, like pick that up. Also, uh, to clarify for anybody new to the gizmos, this category was originally meant for, like, it was because it would be the category for, like, indie or downloadable games, but, you know, like, what does that even mean anymore? That doesn't mean anything, so just, like, uh, capping it at 30 bucks means it's going to be a somewhat smaller experience or a kind of a lower budget game or something, and so that's the whole purpose of this. Yeah. It could have been pa uh, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, but I did not actually start that up in time. So Also, it did not come out this year. Um, oh, I thought it did. It came out like that two was like years very... ago. Oh, right, because it was a mobile game first. I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, but then even on consoles, it came out like two years ago. It was also like two... Okay. Um, I thought that that was like at the start of this year, but no, evidently I forgot. All right, uh, well, then it's... Strictly Curse of the Moon 2. The thing is, it, which it also actually, it could have been Hades, but that is only available on PC and Switch. So who knows? I haven't played it. Yeah, I, I'll play I, it when it's on. We've talked console. about 
we've talked about before how we now have developed this aversion to playing games on the PC due to what we feel is just a very uncomfortable experience versus sitting down and playing a game in front of a TV. Uh, but also, neither of us want to touch our Nintendo Switches at all at this point. <laughs> I will occasionally, but... Uh, I've, I only... own mine just because they're only releasing Shin Megami Tensei Five on the Switch, which is infuriating to me because, God, I really wish I could play that on the PlayStation. Yeah, I will play my Switch only begrudgingly when there's no other options. Like, they're not putting Picross on anything else. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, so Nintendo put out that end-of-year thing, and I was surprised at how much time I put into it, uh, which I think was like t- 28 hours or so. But then it showed the graph, and it was pretty much all just after I bought uh, Stardew Valley in November. It was like where sure. all of the time went. Yeah. Um, okay, what up next? Uh, uh, soundtrack? I would... What do you want? Yeah, sure. Best okay. soundtrack, why not? You start with this one. It's well. It's got to be Final Fantasy VII remake. That's right. That is also my favorite winner. Actually, the music in that game is incredible. Yeah, it is. Like, say what you will about the original Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I don't think that game really holds up all that great. Mm. I know that you're not a fan, but I I would think you would agree with me that the soundtrack to that game is still very very good. Oh yeah. Of course, like there's a reason. Da, 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 is so iconic. Like it's great. Yeah. yeah, it's been in all those other Final Fantasy games, but like here in the states, that theme did really not, you know, become as catchy until seven because that's the game that you know Final Fantasy really landed here with yeah. seven. Um, well, also it was the first like one I, with like orchestral music or well you know, synth or whatever, yeah. but much more than just beeps, which it had previously. Yeah, the, the final boss theme for Sephiroth is like one of the most iconic pieces of music, I think, in video gaming period. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like Final Fantasy VII leverages that soundtrack in some really great ways. Like there are some incredibly good remixes in that game. The boss theme during the Airbuster fight is so good. Uh, I really like the... Um, God, I can never remember the name of the song, but it's when you go to, like, uh, you're on the way to Wall Market, and you're kind of going through, like, that collapsed yeah. tunnel. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Maybe play some of it over over this when we're talking, but that's probably one of my favorite tracks in the game. I also really like when you're doing the uh, the gym, the gymnasium, like, mini game, how they have a ridiculously intense version of the normal battle thing. Yeah completely inappropriate for that minigame which also then makes it the most appropriate thing for that minigame uh-huh uh, how far did you get in 7 before you stopped playing it because I know you've not beat wall market okay did you so you've not done the honeybee in stuff yet right yeah I have that was okay. the last thing I did that whole like dance sequence is also really good yes, in terms is. of like the, the music that's playing but also how ridiculous the visuals are during that yeah you bet you can't really look at it that much because you have to look at the symbols all over the screen like those hatsune miku games that are an absolute visual mess but whatever 
They should uh, make it where when you replay that chapter, you don't actually have to engage with the mini game portion of it. It's just play that as like a cutscene. Yeah. Like, yeah, you beat it once. So now you can just sit down and, you know, have a soda and watch Cloud <laughs> dance in a pretty dress. Uh, my other two, the runners up for best soundtrack were Doom Eternal, uh, because mm-hmm. that has a lot of really good grinding metal in it. Uh, keeps yes, up the spirit does. of it Doom. Is... <laughs> It is a shame that when they inevitably make a third Doom game, it will not have a soundtrack quite like that. They're not bringing that dude back. They're not? What is? Did I miss something didn't with he, this? Didn't he quit? I don't know. I thought he bailed on them. Maybe. I only Maybe I misrem- I might be conflating that with the composer of Halo, actually. Yes. Because I remember he they had quit. that whole thing where they, they... Yeah, he got booted off. That's been some time ago but i want to say the same thing happened with doom but maybe i'm wrong about that uh they're gonna bring back trent reznor he's going to come back to id he's gonna say well i thought about it i i want to do the soundtrack to a new doom yeah they're gonna got all these gun dentist boxes. drills yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i need to use them oh, for something wafakira yamaoka did the soundtrack to a doom game oh that'd be really good it would that would uh, be so good but um I did not find out until like a few days ago when I was sort of looking at the year in gaming list uh, that Michelle Ansel just retired. Oh, yeah. Were you aware of that? I think I heard about it, but totally forgot about it at some point. He was just like, ah, I'm just going to work on a wildlife sanctuary. Good luck, guys. Finish Beyond Good and Evil 2 and Wild, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to wonder if he's been working on Beyond Good and Evil 2 long enough that he's just like, what's the point? Yeah, probably. He's going to go feed some animals. Yeah. Anyway, my uh, second place for best soundtrack, Tony Hawk 1 and 2, baby. Yep. Of course. So that is the other one that I was like really sitting there and kind of considering. And I think the reason I went with Final Fantasy 7 over Tony Hawk is Final Fantasy 7 music just lands harder for me. Because I again, I adore that soundtrack. Even Final in the original Fantasy Seven does not have Primus in it. it does not. Um, until it comes out on PC, then you could probably mod Primus into the game. I yeah, want to say, I guess but so. uh, th- I mean, that's really the first thing people are going to do is mod Primus into the game. There's nothing else that they would mod about Final Fantasy Seven first. No, you gotta nothing have your priorities straight. Think of, yeah. Um. But no, the the thing that also kind of held Tony Hawk back just a little bit for me is how they had to drop a bunch of tracks from the game too due to licensing issues. And so for me, it's always jarring uh, sitting down and playing that and hearing something that is a lot newer on that soundtrack than what would have been found in the original. Yeah, like the uh, Machine I think Gun Kelly with a, song is kind of weird yeah. to have in there. Um, it's not that that stuff is bad. It's just that it, it screws with the part of my brain that is just like oozing nostalgia juice because yeah, I'm yeah. playing a remake of a game that I've not played since it originally came out. So yeah. Yeah. Like Bob, Bob Bernquist is here. He's skating down the dam and then you hear like a song from last year and it's like this, this hurts. Yeah. It's like, it's weird me. because Bob Bernquist is dead. And so like he would not have been alive when that song came out. So it's just really jarring. Bob Bernquist is still alive, and he name-searches himself on Twitter, just so you know. What? <laughs> All right, true. well, put him in the description of this podcast so he can listen to me theorizing that he's dead. Well, I don't think he searches for himself on podcasts. Like, he's not searching podcast descriptions for himself. If you're name-searching you yourself on 
if you're Twitter. if you're name searching yourself on Twitter, you are absolutely name searching yourself on Google. Maybe, maybe he's got a like a Google alert set to for like Bob Burnquist hilarious disaster. <laughs> I don't know. It's got an RSS feed set up. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's ah. best soundtracks. Yeah. Also, I like how you just started with the winner and then made me go back to the runner up. But well, so like the way I've kind of handled a lot of these outside of game of the year is I've just settled on one instead of making a bunch of lists because it, for me it's been kind of uneven. Like that last one, yeah. I only had two games and and sure. not. I couldn't think of a third one that I was like, yeah, the soundtrack of this. I've been like sitting down and listening to this all year because I don't, I don't think I have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Doom Eternal is one that I, for whatever reason, just did not consider. But yeah, like I would, I would put that in if I were doing a top three. I think that my list would be the same as yours, except I'd probably flip Doom and Tony Hawk. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, so best writing. Sure. Let's go with that. What what games had good stories this year? Let me tell you about uh, well, number three, Crosscode, the game I mentioned before. Okay. It actually it has a lot of really good writing and a lot of good word world building without being obnoxious about it, like a lot of especially indie games are. Uh so that one I would recommend on its writing merits uh, as well as just being a fun game to play, which is an unusual combination. Number two, Yakuza 7, back again. I think this is the last time it's going to show up, so say goodbye to Yakuza 7. Bye, Yakuza 7. I'll see you next year. And number one... 13 Sentinels Ah. Aegis Rim It's here The Japanese They made a visual novel That doesn't suck Congratulations Alright My soul's left my body Shout out to Vanillaware My number one Would probably be uh, Um what did I play this year? Shit. Uh, Spider-Man, why not? Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess. Spider-Man. Alright. <laughs> no, actually, I... Ghost of Tsushima might have actually had the best writing for me. Like, if I if I really sit down and look at the games that what? I actually played to complete... I, look, I know. I don't have a very solid entry for this category. But, like, the... I would Story put Tony Ghost Hawk 1 and 2 above Ghost of Tsushima. Okay, fine. It's not Ghost <laughs> of Tsushima, then. It's uh, Demon Souls had the best writing of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, so the world might be mended, man. Um, no, Got a okay, heart of gold. Don't Demon let him Souls. take it from you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, God. No, what had the best writing? Jesus Christ. Uh, honestly, I guess it probably is Spider-Man Miles Morales. Like, it, the only time I thought that, like, that game made me kind of cringe a little bit was some of the, like, Danacast stuff I that they put that in stuff. there. But I think that's also by design. Like, I think that stuff is supposed to be awkward. I mean, uh, but look, it's the kind of thing a 16-year-old or however old Miles is would listen to, yeah. I guess. 
Yeah, Miles in his weird adult body with his little boy voice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Teenagers are weird. Uh, That's how they are. They are. Yeah. Uh, look, when Dave Matthews wrote Your Body is Wonderland, he was not thinking about teenagers, <laughs> thankfully. It was, it was not Dave Matthews. Whatever. Close John enough. John Mayer. <laughs> John Mayer. Look, virtually the same person. John Mayer never dumped like a container of his own poop on a boat full of tourists. <laughs> All right, I take back my previous statement. They are vastly different in every way. Yeah, uh, this one's on me. Now, like, they, hey, they made more J. Jonah Jameson podcasts, so yeah. I guess that's best writing of the year because that stuff again is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, like the story that that game tells in the very tight space that it tells it, I think is very good. That Roxxon guy's pretty good, like, scumbag-type character. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, I I really liked... I, I think that game handled Miles' evolution uh, from just, like, weird dork to actually being, like, a capable superhero, like, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I get... Like, I guess... There there are no games that really stood out to me as having, like, really mind-blowingly good writing. Uh, I did not play 13 Sentinels, so I guess I wouldn't know. I guess. I guess. But Jesus, what a mess. As the <laughs> yes. mountain goat said. Yeah. It's been a rough 2020 for video games. I do not have much to choose from here. Uh, yes. That's a weird thing. Like, I so. feel like this podcast is going to come in at under... Well, we've got the Grimmies. And there's going to be a lot to say about the Grimmies. Well, that's a separate recording. <laughs> I, I feel that if people... Yeah, I, I think it should be, right? Because I think the thing is... The, the Gizmos is a positive experience. It's where we talk about the things we really liked from the previous year. Whereas all the hostility and anger <laughs> that we have had festering inside of us like a bile yeah. is then compressed, condensed tightly into the Grimmies. So people can choose if they want positivity or like unfiltered vitriol all right and they I could guess. just download whichever one they want so okay. well in that know. case uh, the well, gizmos might come in at under an hour and a half this year we'll see uh perfect uh although if you're listening to this before the grimmies which you probably should because uh, that's the way that we structure it you should probably listen to the grimmies as well because i have a lot of problems and you're all <laughs> going to hear about it <laughs> that's right <laughs> A little late for Festivus, but uh, the yeah. airing of grievances is still a yearly tradition <laughs> here at Destroy All Children. That's right. We celebrate it a little bit later each year than you should, but we when we celebrate it, man. We go we go hard. Um, mm. Best graphics, I think, is the next one. Sure. Right? So this one, this again kind of messes with our theming, uh, where previously we would always give it to an Arc System Works game. Uh, because they have that really good looking faux anime thing so we'd give it to guilty gear if there was a new version of guilty gear which there was not this year um or dragon ball fighters which used the same sort of graphics um yeah nothing like that this year there was um grand blue fantasy versus but i actually didn't put that on here because i didn't play it and also i don't think that's actually made by arc system works Mm. that's like someone else anyway yeah. Uh, Look, it's it's this weird like transitional year though, right? Where you're coming off the heels of the previous generation and you're moving into the next generation, and so you have less releases for the old systems, and of course you have a scarce few for the new ones. 
So this isn't even like necessarily that unusual compared to like previous transitions into a new console generation. Uh, so like I was kind of expecting we wouldn't have much to talk about. Like to me, 2019 was a more bizarre year because there was also not much to talk about. But like we still didn't even have like images or much news about the new consoles yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I was always kind of bracing for 2020 to be a scarce year. And then, you know, of course, I, you know, COVID kind of complicated things further. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, best graphics. Uh, you know, I'm going to amend my list here. I'm going to make this four. I previously had three. Oh, okay. But uh, I feel like I need to have a mention to uh, Resident Evil 3, which came out this yeah. year. Uh, looks great. Although. That's just lower here because it's still the same engine they've been using for stuff like Devil May Cry 5 and Resident Evil yeah. 2. Uh, but it does look noticeably better. Like after playing Resident Evil 2 and then looking at some of 3, uh, it, especially in the faces, it was pretty noticeable yeah. how they've bumped yeah. it up. Um, still has uh, way too many foreheads in the game, but what are you going to do? Yeah, uh, we, I think, talked about on the last episode of the podcast how that engine is really doing capcom some good oh, like yeah. that is an incredibly good looking graphics engine yeah and those screenshots from village make me want to play village even though i know it will scare the poop out of me <laughs> i like having the poop scared out of me uh i don't and i really like that graphics engine so i'm like super excited for that game i think that's like Pretty much like that and Hitman 3 are like the top of my list for 2021. I like keeping uh, my poop securely inside me at all times. I need it all out of me. and Nothing bad inside of my body. If I want um, out, I go get a croissant witch. Uh, that'll clear <laughs> me out. Um... I was, gonna, I was gonna say something about that. The, uh, the remake. Oh, uh... Yeah, when Devil May Cry 5, when that hits like low enough... Uh, for the PlayStation Five, like I will definitely pick that up. Yeah, because uh, that is a that is a great looking game, and then being able to have like the ray tracing inside of that too, like I bet that looks real pretty. Uh, I no, nah, I turned it off. I would rather have the high frame rate than ray tracing because there's not actually that much benefit from the ray tracing. I so, bet it looks particularly good in that opening area and like the yeah. city streets. Yeah, yeah. Like, I bet like, that looks phenomenal. After but... that, though, there aren't even that many reflective surfaces in it, so I'm not yeah. really sure what the point of that is. Like, it's not worth having the frame rate for that. Yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't really kind of think about, like, later areas in the game. Yeah, there's not as much, like, reflective surface. But, uh, like, th that said, I do not have a physical copy of Devil May Cry 5, so thankfully them re-releasing that game and... <laughs> not letting you just do like an upgrade thing is not as much of a problem for me. Uh, I'm just waiting for it to hit like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, what were your other ones? A best graphics. Number three, demon souls, a good showcase mm. for the PS five. Uh, looks really good. Runs really well, which is the most important thing. Um, and especially the particle effects I think are probably the biggest thing, the fire in particular. And uh, magic oh, yeah. and everything. What? So Demon Souls was my number one. Ooh. Well, so yeah. uh, my number two, Miles Morales, uh, because I do think mm -hmm. again the implementation of ray tracing in there gives it a bump above Demon Souls. Uh, it looks really good, especially now that there's the performance ray tracing mode. I don't know if you knew about that. 
I heard about that, and it made me a little bit upset that I platinumed that game before <laughs> I had any idea that they were putting that in the game, because that would have been really nice to have for at least New Game Plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, bummed about that. But yeah, like, that, what they're managing to do, especially as a launch game, is really impressive to me. Yeah. Um, But my number one, because again, this is about how impressive the technical feat is. Like, you would expect launch games on a PS5 to look good. But The Last of Us Part 2, its only appearance on this episode, spoiler, uh, looks phenomenal. It looks, like, as good, pretty much, as either of those PS5 games. And it, oh. it, I was playing it on a base PS4. Of course, it did make the PS4 extremely loud and hot, uh, but the fact that I could even pull it off is incredible. Oh, look, this mask comes right off. Larry was Jeff Keighley this whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Of course, I can acknowledge that it came at the expense of uh, horrible working conditions for everybody at Naughty Dog, but yeah. if you're just looking for something to look real purdy, Last of Us Part mm. Two is it. So, my list was... Uh, so, I actually did have enough to kind of fill out like a top three i know i said that i kind of just settled on one and i had anticipated only talking about one but since you know i'm considering them uh my number three is final fantasy 7 uh mostly like not just the graphical fidelity in that thing because it's definitely like it's a bit sketchy on some parts of it there are some weirdly bad door textures in that game that looks like they were remnants from like yeah. a playstation 2 title that they found on one of the pcs and were like Put it in as a placeholder, and then they forgot to change them. Yes, uh, that that door is the it's everywhere in the game too. Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> yeah, they reuse that door everywhere. Yeah, uh, but no, like for me, a lot of Final Fantasy Seven is I really like the art direction in Final Fantasy Seven. Even in the original, the the pre rendered backgrounds and everything, there's definitely a style there that really speaks to me. Yeah. Uh, and being able to see that in a game where the characters don't have hooves for hands, I think is really incredible. And I just kind of like staring at Midgar. Uh, the area around Aerith's house in that game is really pretty to me. Just like, again, not just the, the graphical fidelity of it, but the fact that it has a very like painting-esque quality to it. It, it looks like having the plate up above instead of the sky but then you have like this very tranquil like flowers everywhere and kind of a natural environment and then like a house in the middle of that like it's it's very weird looking in a way that i find awesome like i i like that a lot but mm-hmm. number two is mile morales yeah i think it would have been number one if i had played the prawns mode Actually, because the reason it does not take number one is the fact that as good looking as that is, it can only top out at 30 frames a second. Uh, Apparently, you can bump it up now. So maybe I need to sit down and kind of fuck around in that game some more. But uh, well, that that does make it take a hit to 1080p. But sure, whatever. Still sounds like it looks real pretty. Uh, Sure. Being being able to just swing through that series, uh, city, not series, uh, and just seeing the reflection on every surface is kind of incredible. Like mm-hmm. I, I know when ray tracing was like a feature that they were trucking out for the new graphics cards, I was kind of like, eh, who cares? Whatever. 
this does not sound worth investing another few hundred dollars into a graphics card. Uh, but being able to actually see that in Miles Morales, like I think I'm, I'm one of the converted now. I really well, like ray tracing. I still think it's not worth it in most cases. Uh, in a lot of cases, sure. I think that you can't really tell the difference much, like between that and just yes. regular screen space reflections or something. It's, it's only specifically with the game cases. in a city, though. Yes. Yeah. That sure. Where that you sense. have a high density of reflections, so yeah. like a city or something like that, like absolutely ray tracing, then it, it gives you so much more out of that image that you would otherwise be lacking. Yeah. But like. I will still maintain that if you have a perfectly serviceable graphics card in your PC, ray tracing is not enough for you to go out and buy a new graphics card. I still don't think it's that incredible that you need to sit down and invest a few hundred more. No. Like, it is a nice bonus to have the PlayStation 5, but, like, I would have bought the PlayStation 5 anyway because it's a new console, which means that's the only way I'm going to be able to get at a bunch of new games that I want to play that are only going to be on a PlayStation. Also, Uh, the thing with ray tracing is when they were, like, showing it off... Like, their tech demos were stuff like Minecraft. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like, they showed that That's picture. True. It's like, it would look exactly the same if you weren't using ray tracing and you just, like, use some other lighting model. Like, there's nothing well, about this that's impressive. They also put it out at a point in time where a lot of the games that were coming out would not have sat down and utilized ray tracing yet. No, the closest well. was Control, I think. That yeah. actually used some of it. But even so, a lot of the results in that, like... Again, I can't really tell the difference between that and regular SSR, so... Yeah. But yeah, that, that's like a case of them demoing that tech and, and basically saying, hey, these graphics cards are going to cost you a few hundred bucks. Ray tracing sure is cool. You're not going to be able to enjoy it in games for like probably another two years. Yeah. Like there's nothing's really coming out that uses that much at all, and if it does, not in an, in a very interesting way. Uh, but Miles Morales is definitely like the first case for me where I've I've sat down and looked at ray tracing in a game and gone like, wow, this looks great. Wait, hold on. Like a I give so much more out of this. Is that FIFA game out or is that not out yet? It either just came out or it's not quite out yet. I don't think it's out yet. But the hair in that next year there might be so good a category in Gizmos for best hair. Just yes, to between give that FIFA. and Village. Yes. Yes, that, that like headdress and village looks inc- it looks so good. Me, but yeah, the, the hair in FIFA is yeah the FIFA hair wasted in a video game that I will never play. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Some neat stuff happening with graphics. Uh, I I did not think that at this point I could be super impressed graphically by a video game anymore. I I kind of thought things pretty much plateaued. But all they had to do was bring tress effects back. Yeah, but that pretty much is it. My number one is Demon Souls, and the reason why Demon Souls is number one to me uh, is because for the first time ever, I can say a Souls game looks really good, but also runs really good. <laughs> like, playing a Souls game at a locked 60 frames a second is mind-bending to me. It is not something that I really expected ever until this year. Uh, without having a whole bunch of weird shit running on my PC, because those ports have all been terrible. Well, the um the PS4 and Xbox One version of Dark Souls 2 ran at 60, but yes. Yeah, see, I, and I didn't. I didn't play that one. I've gone back since and bought Dark Souls uh, 1 through 3, and I've just played the remaster of the first one, and 
playing that game in particular, running at a locked 60 frames a second without having to install a bunch of mods to my PC uh-huh. is itself insane. It also makes um, it way easier, as I've told you in the past. Yes, uh, I was just pairing absolutely goddamn everything in that game. Like, see, that, became... that's why I was telling you, like, I was playing Dark Souls 2 and 3 on consoles when they came out and they yeah. ran like crap, and so it made it way harder. And then I would yeah. replay them on PC and just cruise through everything. Yeah, and well, I tried to play the remaster on PC and then it was doing that weird screen tearing thing, so, like, not even that ran good. So... I've finally been able to get the the original Dark Souls experience that I have wanted, uh, which has now resulted in me damn near getting a platinum in that game because it's actually like easy enough that I can sit down and do like two new game pluses on that thing and not feel like I'm just going to get smashed into a wall repeatedly. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was able to beat Ornstein Smaug without needing to summon someone in because the frame rate was good. <laughs> Smaug. <laughs> yeah. Ornstein and Smag. Uh, Let me Smaug. Yeah, like, uh, Demon, Demon Souls does not have ray tracing, uh, which to be fair, there is not a lot of clean reflective surfaces in that game. Yeah. So I don't know what you would really even ray trace in it. Uh, well, but the it part of, for the lighting, particle of, but yeah. It can be, but there's really not a need to hit the performance in that game for ray tracing. The trade-off is just not worth it in that case. Like um, Call Um, of Duty, um, Cold War, it just uses ray tracing for shadows. And that stuff actually does look really good, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, like there is specifically that spot in the uh, first level of Boletaria where you go over to where the red and the blue dragon are kind of camping out. And you, you kind of go through like this hallway in the castle and it's so dense in foliage mm-hmm. and it has such like soft lighting in there. And it looks really, really, really good to the point that I kind of just like kept slowly walking back and forth through that area and just kind of like soaking it in. It, it looks amazing to me. Uh, and then again, th- just the fact that they got a Souls game to look that good and run as well as it does to me makes it the best game graphically this year. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. How, but okay, but how many members of Blue Point almost had pipes fall on them because they were working after uh, hours? Well I haven't got the reports in yet, but mm. Okay. Uh, how many of them had to brush their teeth in the uh public bathrooms? <laughs> oh man, fuck naughty a... dog. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Splash some water under your pits and get back to work. Yeah. All right, then. Jesus. Game yeah. of the year. Here we go. Well, I, did, I had I had two more that I wanted to do real quick. Like, These what? are my u- unique categories oh, that I'm right. throwing in. Yeah. Uh, the I first one is... This. Yeah. The first one's best retro game of the year. So this is uh, any game that we have played that only goes up to like the PlayStation 2 era that we have played for the first time within the last year. So this is a very niche category, and I doubt that you have anything to submit to it. Although, I have to ask, did you play anything that would count towards this category? No, because it would have to be something I played for the first time, so no. Yes, okay. So mine, and I won't talk about it for a very long amount of time because we have already done a podcast about this one, 
Uh, last year, I was able to use this time to talk about uh, a retro game that I had not spoken about yet. But this year, when I looked down, when I looked at my list and and went through everything, I could not pin down one that I felt was the best that I played that I had also not talked about. So I went with Contra Hardcore. I think that is easily the best retro game that I have played in 2020 that I've not previously played before. Uh, I still really want to try to get Netplay set up so you and I could do a stream of that game. It'll be an absolute disaster. Yes, it will. Both trying to get Netplay to work halfway across the country uh-huh. and then also streaming it at the same time. And also but, that game, like, moving at 800 miles per yes. hour. <laughs> yes, with a million projectiles on the screen at any one point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really really love contra hardcore just the amount of energy that that game has the graphics in it look crazy good for a sega genesis game like talk about a game that has a style to it contra hardcore is oozing with style and and moxie too for that matter yeah and brownie yeah the the amount of like alternate pathways and endings that you can get in that game it makes it extremely replayable got the one where you get married to a monkey because you go back into the past <laughs> yeah oh it's so and the and the final like the There's true the ending boss where you're like also yeah yeah it, and the like true ending boss fight where you're like climbing on the rockets and like they're bursting open because like you got these tanks full of like the alien virus and you got these bugs and stuff crawling out of it that you got to shoot like the intensity level in that game, it, it feels like you're having a heart attack from the moment that it opens up in the first level until the end credits come up. That level it, where it the guys are like, coming game. at you on dirt bikes out of the background? Yeah, you get that that one where uh, you're getting chased by the robot on the highway, yeah. and like Sega don't got no Mode 7, but that looks just as good, if not better, than Mode 7. Yeah. Runs very smooth too. There, I don't think that there was many points where like the frame rate took a dip in Contra Hardcore. Uh, it's been a bit. Maybe I should sit down and play it again and and confirm that before I mouth off about how smooth it runs. But I don't particularly remember it like slowing down too much for as much stuff as is going on the screen at any given point in time as yeah, there is. It is very smooth. I I do think there are a couple of parts that dip, like that bit with the robot chasing you. I think is part of it, and yeah. um, the one where uh, Jet Jet Jetpack Sam. What's he called? Yeah. Or he's in the Some, robot that like uh, does the flips. I think it kind of slows down. Somewhere. Dead Eye Joe. Dead Eye Joe. Yeah, that's who you're thinking of. But uh, yeah, I well, also when I name. say like, <laughs> sure. I mean, that's also a very good name. Uh, that sounds like a contrary character to me. <laughs> yeah, it does. But, I, uh, maybe I'm just thinking of Jetstream Sam from <laughs> Metal Gear Rising. I mean, he's practically a contra character, so Basically, sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot about Metal Gear Solid Rising Revengeance. That is like extremely Contra-esque just in terms of like attitude. Yeah. So yeah, why not? Um, but yeah, like when I say like frame rate dips in old games, I guess I'm kind of having like a different standard there because like you see a lot of people talk about like, oh, games nowadays, they don't run good. Like uh, everything worked back in the olden days. Like not really though, like games got super chuggy and framey on those 16-bit platforms and on the 8-bit platforms especially. Yeah. It only have like three sprites on the same line, you know. Yeah, and they'll flicker. Yeah, it all weird. So yeah, even like I know Contra Hardcore has moments where like it it slows down quite a bit, but like to to the degree that it does, 
it is less significant and pronounced as I think like a lot of other games on that same system. <laughs> so... Well, to me, that genre, it's like with shoot 'em ups. Like I can cut them slack for it because in some yeah. ways it's kind of designed around them because you kind of want yes. that slowdown at times to dodge the massive amounts of projectiles coming at you. Oh, isn't that like a feature in um, Mega Man 9 and 10 that like you could turn the slowdown on or something like that? I think it was just sprite flickering. I don't think it had slowdown. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it might have just been that. But I know like some of the games that Cave would put out, uh, they would have options to either keep the slowdown on or turn it off. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. again, it, it was kind of made with that in mind. I want to say Contra 3 has more slowdown than Hardcore, actually. Probably. Because it does have like all those mode seven stages, and mode seven very rarely ran smooth. F zero. Um, F zero is like the only one I can think of that ran buttery. Act racer, it zooms in. I don't know. I, I, actually, I don't sure, think but mode like yeah, act racer is like a cause things to freak out that much. Like, Castlevania really slows down, but oh yeah. Well, anyway, uh, contra hardcore is. Like I said, easily, that is my favorite retro game that I played this year. I, I just, there is such an incredible energy to that game and such a high level of intensity. It It is so easy for me to just dump several hours into that thing. Yeah, like as soon as like you start it up, you go to that character selection thing and it's playing the baseline from Baby Got Back. Yeah, and it then shows like you the, the means first, business. The, the way that game opens is you just tearing ass through a city and running a bunch of dudes over until your truck gives out and you fly through the fucking window of it with your gun drawn. Uh And then immediately you have to start shooting absolutely everything. Yep. Ah, it's such a good game. Neumann Cascade, best retro character. Yeah. That no, actually, the best retro character is the mid boss in that first stage. That's like destroying the city, and then when you shoot him. Yeah, you shoot him and he does a little dance and then also, like, glows every color of the rainbow to yeah. the point that, like, makes you think CD Projekt Red had some input in that <laughs> game because that definitely is not safe if you have epilepsy. People, yeah, developers back then did not give a crap about epileptics. No. Oh, Jesus. If any game needs an epilepsy warning, it is Contra Hardcore, and I can guarantee you there is none. No. God. By the way, I played some of Cyberpunk, and even though they did fix the epileptic flashes and stuff, the warning about that at the beginning the beginning of the game is like one second. <laughs> it's just a screen full oh, of well. text, and it just goes by in a second. We'll get there, Larry. Oh, uh, and then my other uh, my other surprise category for you is best cameo in a video game, which I gave to the Cisco phone in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh yeah. <laughs> It was the world of Final Fantasy VII where there are just massive pipes the size of houses running everywhere carrying these powerful currents of magic that are, like, being fed (laughs) through the mantle of the planet and, like, giant saucers of metal and, like, yeah, just monsters that are just popping out regularly to attack people and ghosts. And then there's just a Cisco phone <laughs> sitting huh? inside someone's house. Because they Cisco. clearly had an yeah, they had an art asset package. The Cisco phone was in it. Someone's like, we just need some phones in this house so it looks like people live here. And they just went with the Cisco phone. I feel like an actual Final Fantasy VII phone probably has like pipes and stuff running to it because it's also powered off Mako and using it gives you brain cancer. Yeah. 
But like I'm, they didn't have time to render that. I'm kind of surprised you did not go with a Patrick Warburton's son in Final Fantasy VII, who just voices I mean, that, that one is... guy at the gate and sounds exactly like his dad in a way that is it, incredible. It was down between the two of them, but boy, I was not expecting to see the Cisco phone. Yeah, it's a good point. That yeah. did make me laugh when I saw it. <laughs> anyway, I think that takes us to Game of the Year, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, I'm going right. to say my best cameo was a cameo Elements of Power for the Xbox 360. <laughs> it runs so good now on the power yeah. of the Series X. That's yeah. right. And speaking of running things well on new consoles, it it's still really weird to me that they didn't do anything to Final Fantasy VII. Like, didn't uncap the frame rate on that or anything. Well, look, you need to preserve the cinematic experience of Final Fantasy VII. More like they're going to put out a new version of it and charge for it. What? Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. Anyway. I mean, that's definitely what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think that pretty much anything that is still running at a locked frame rate is probably going to be a case of, eh, we might sell this again down the line. So, game of the year, we're going to alternate... Uh, okay. So my number five. Play the clip of cameos back and forth during this because that would be a good segue off the of best cameo to us going back and forth between the, the selections for game of the year. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. A woman's boob pops out in that <laughs> music video. <laughs> That's right. There's a lot of cod pieces in it. It's a uh-huh. very horny music video. Uh. So my number five is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 mm. They finally did They remade Tony Hawk uh, Well, kind of They took. They the made Tony Hawk good They, I think they made you... Tony Hawk great again Yes um, That's what my hat says They took the <laughs> levels from the first two games And then they added gameplay elements From 3 and 4 Jammed them in there And the result is spectacular uh, yeah. it, it hits all the right nostalgia buttons um, Still feels great to play The physics are spot on Unlike Tony Hawk 5 Remember that? Boy do mess. I uh, I Ooh, mean thankfully I did not it. play Tony Hawk 5 But I've seen enough to know That that thing is a disaster factory uh, Oh it was terrible Also that game was $60 yes, Easy to was. forget about This one was only 40 at launch, yeah, Way just better. a little, a little bit too much to make our games under thirty. Yeah, uh, otherwise, I think probably that would have been my game under thirty. Yeah, um, eh, not me. Yeah, like yeah. I, I have not played a Tony Hawk game since the originals came out. Uh, actually, I think I might have played them a bit after that. I want to say I played them on the Dreamcast. Okay, I didn't have a PlayStation, Dreamcast and I'm pretty sure that two. I didn't play them on the Nintendo sixty four. I think I think only 2 was on the Dreamcast 3 was PS2 See it's been so long too that I'm not 100% sure if I played 1 or 2 Let alone what console I actually Played them on I'm just kind of like trying to Feel it out ethereally <laughs> Like What did I enjoy these on back in the day I know that I played them uh, But I've not played them since uh, So jumping into that remake I could not tell you what Carried over from the original uh, versus the subsequent games where you're talking about like features from those ending up in in the remake. Uh, the main well, thing that stood out to me was you know song exclusions and and new songs being put into the game. 
Well, the thing is, uh, Tony Hawk 2 added the manual, uh, and then 3 added the revert, and then 4 added the, um, like, um, land tricks and, like, being able to switch, uh, grinds while you're still grinding and things like that. I think. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's how it was. Um, and so it still has that stuff from 3 and 4 in this, which it kind of has to. Because Tony Hawk 2 was not really complete I, I don't think it actually completed the loop of Tony Hawk until 3 With the revert Where then you could go from you know vert tricks to street And back again And that was like the most important linking thing uh, To actually make the game great So now you get to play these old levels The classic levels But with the newer mechanics in them Yeah I, I like Tony Hawk Remake a whole lot uh, it did not make my top five, uh, but what? to me, it is the. Add some other. Well, part of it is I have not actually put a tremendous amount of time into it. Um, for a while, what I would do is I would wake up first thing in the morning. I would grab a brush and put a little makeup. Go, uh-huh, uh huh. I would go into the living room. I would sit down, eat a popped tart, and I would play some Tony Hawk because I think that is a great game to just kind of fuck around in it for about twenty minutes, half an hour, and then do something else. Yeah, sure. Uh, it is a game that does not take a huge amount of thought or skill to enjoy, so you can play it as you are waking up. Uh, but yeah, because of that, like, consequently, I did not put a tremendous amount of time into it. Uh, I ended up having other games where I was like, I really want to get this done before we do Gizmos, and so at a certain point, I kind of fell off Tony Hawk and was just trying to make as much progress as I could in other stuff. Um, it's kind of weird though because you can finish that game in like two hours I think I got like five hours sank into it I try to be like as complete with a park as I can before moving on to the next one yeah I know. so I've been more well also I should note I'm not like good at Tony Hawk I'm in fact very bad at it oh. <laughs> so it's been taking me even longer to get through some well of also those. I guess if you do, like if you don't remember where a lot of the stuff is that would have yeah. a lot to do with it because those games Despite the whole trick aspect, they're kind of platformers, is the thing. Yeah. A lot of it is just exploring the level and figuring out how to get to various spots. Yeah, and then optimizing it because you got that time limit. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, you can just go for one goal and then restart. But yeah, like, for me, it's not necessarily about being good at Tony Hawk, though. Like, it is still just a fun game to screw around in, and so that's where a lot of the value is for me. Yeah, uh, but yeah, didn't did make my top six. I'm sorry, didn't make my top five. Probably actually would have been my number six. Um, but yeah, still a really good game. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your number five? Resident Evil: The Third Remake is my number fifth game of 2020. Uh, I love Resident Evil. I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast knows that about me. You definitely do. That's, so there's yeah. pretty much no way this wasn't entering my top five. Uh, Resident Evil 3 is my favorite of the original PlayStation Resident Evils. And I think that this is probably... The, like, the, the way that they had designed the Resident Evil 2 remake really kind of laid up this one because I feel like the transition from 3's gameplay to what they're doing in the remake in Resident Evil 2 Remake is a lot more smooth than 2 over 2 to 2 Remake, if that if that makes any sense. Because, like, 3 is a much more, like, action-focused game. Yeah. It is, it is less about doing a loop around the same environment, collecting keys and solving puzzles in the way that 2 is. 
And two feels like it loses a little bit of that in the remake. And it kind of has to from the perspective that they're approaching that game in, but it still retains enough that it's still very recognizable as Resident Evil 2. Uh, with three, I feel that they're kind of able to lean harder into that action direction in a way that feels like an even smoother transition. And like, it, it, it just, it feels way better too because the combat in the original version of three was still using the template that one and two had laid out. So you still had fixed camera angles and tank controls, but it was definitely more about like shooting enemies and not solving puzzles. So being able to just have it like over the shoulder and play like a third person shooter makes three feel even better to me now. Like this is definitely my preferred way to play Resident Evil 3. So I will counter this by saying I think they went too far in that direction with the dodge. I don't think the dodge should be in the game. Sure. I would, I would concede that. That feels like cheating. Um, like, I did not use it while I was playing it because it just felt like it was cheap. Yeah. I would also say I think my biggest knock against the remake of 3 is that the Nemesis stuff gets real muted. Yep. Uh, he does not show up in the same way that he does in the original. He's more of a set-piece thing rather than a constant threat, and I think that ends up losing too much of 3's identity. So it's upsetting that they got so much right about just how they should make that game feel in transitioning it to like a a modern template. We but then like lost came all out, the... which is that the Mr. Yeah. X stuff in two feels way more like the Nemesis yes. than the Nemesis does in three. Like it's just that exactly. first area that you're in where he actually follows you around and shows up and stuff. After yeah. that, it's just he appears and you run down a linear path and get away from him. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate. Um, yeah. Still, I, look, it's Resident Evil. It had to be in my top five. I'm contractually obligated. I'm, I'm part of the ambassador program, and one of the stipulations <laughs> in the terms of service is if you do a game of the year, it has to be in your top five. So just please let me play The Village early, Capcom. I'm begging you, please. I'm not The Village. Yeah. In fact, actually, I would say the biggest knock against Resident Evil 3 is that they, like, saddled on that horrible asymmetrical multiplayer thing with it. But at least, like, that you have to break out into a different client. They just kind of included it. Yeah. But, like, oh, that thing is terrible. Not good, that multiplayer game. Uh, but, well, yeah, we'll I enjoyed see how the Resident Evil 3 goes. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's my, your number four? My number four... Doom Eternal. What? That's my number four too. What? <laughs> uh, yeah. Simpatico on Doom. <laughs> it turns yeah. out I was actually thinking that yours would be a lot higher. Nope. It got bumped yeah. down a little bit by other things. Um, but mm. that and you know what? It could have been number one or two if not for those f- fucking marauder enemies. The worst. Oh god. Who yeah. who thought that was a good idea? Not fun to play against. Like they only appear like two or three times in the campaign, but every time they do is a nightmare and I hate it. And if they were not in the game, it would be a much better game. Yes. Uh I also think what like we we have talked about this in the past as well. Hey, we talked about all of these games at some point yeah. over the last year, obviously. But uh I have some issues with the way that this game is structured versus uh, the previous Doom. 2016, right? That's when the original one came out? Yes. The okay. original Doom. 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck you. New Doom. Um, <laughs> yes, New Doom. Um, that the ammo runs out way too fast, uh, more so in the earlier portions of Doom Eternal, but then it just becomes this constant thing of, I gotta pull my chainsaw out again and saw this enemy in half and get more ammo, constantly swap in between stuff. And like, I think that sounds interesting on paper, but the frequency in which it happens, that is just taking the gun away from me that I really want to use at any given point in time, it gets a little annoying. Uh, I also don't like how often it kind of made me need to pop into menus to do stuff because I feel, especially with the way that those new Doom games play, that breaking that pace is not to the game's advantage. I should never be menuing during an actual level of Doom. That should just be in those like interstitial like hub world levels uh so those are like the the two things other than the marauders that kind of bugged me about the game that i think really held it back from being further up on my list i mean i i would disagree about the ammo thing i that was actually something i really liked about it is that it forces you to keep changing your weapons and changing your tactics and moving like every arena in that game is specifically designed around being able to run a loop around it uh and like never be caught in one place because if you get knocked in a corner or something you're done so uh so being able to jump around and chainsaw an enemy glory kill use another weapon swap to another one chainsaw again stuff like that uh, the main issue i had was that the chainsaw ammo is pretty pretty sparse and you need like yeah. three charges to kill anything more than like a regular zombie that was annoying but so I should clarify that that is more what I'm getting at is that in the earlier portions of the game, you run out of ammo so fast that you're using the chainsaw more often and then it becomes harder to find ammo for the chainsaw that then makes that experience frustrating. When you get into like later levels yeah. and you have more ammo to work with, like the benefits of that system start to shine through more. And so I did not really have that issue with the game beyond like the halfway point. But like the earlier portions of it, it was kind of frustrating for me. Well, the thing is, it recharges one charge of chainsaw, so you can always use it on a, like a zombie guy yeah. to get some ammo. It yeah. like because of that, actually, I never used it on the larger enemies because why would I waste three charges on that instead of just like? I guess sometimes it could be worth it. Can you use it on like cyber demons? I don't remember. Uh. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know so you can on... right outside of my window. Fuck. <laughs> Heard what we were talking about. Can you um, hear that? No. You're about to, because they're doing yard work again. So this Ooh. is going to get real noisy here. We might need to take a break. But um, but uh, the Doom I, I... guy is coming for me. That is getting really close. I know you can chainsaw the the spider, the robot spider things, brain spiders. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Look, anyway, my point is that is a system I feel float better later on in the game than it necessarily does at the start of the game. Yeah. Uh, for me, the, the biggest issue, though, is is the menuing stuff. I really don't like how that breaks the, the pace and the flow of going through levels. So, so actually, I would say the thing about flowing better later is not really because you get more chainsaw ammo. I think it's just because you have more weapons, so you can just keep cycling between them. Yeah. Because early on, it's basically you just have the shotgun. That's it. So, since your number three, or four, was also Doom Eternal, then I guess I'll move on to number three. Do you want to do number three first, then? Sure. Uh, my number three was a Final Fantasy VII Remake. Garbage. 
terrible list. They How made dare you? they made Final Fantasy VII playable in the yeah. year 2020. Uh, I like the way like Kingdom Hearts games play, except I find a lot of stuff about like Kingdom Hearts is impenetrable. Even though I have played every single Kingdom Hearts games game. Uh, oh jeez, I can't talk. Look. I, I I like the way that Final Fantasy VII Remake plays. I, I find the uh, combat in it to be very kinetic and fun. Um, like I said, I, I adore the design of that world, and I think the soundtrack is great. So it's just all, all the different pieces just kind of click together in a way that I really enjoy. And then more than that, without getting into spoilers, because I know you've not gotten far enough in the game, uh, and I don't want to ruin the surprise and the twists and stuff that happened later on. And I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't played it yet, but might be interested. The way that it addresses the fact that it is a remake by the end of that game is both very dumb and also very interesting. Like it goes full kingdom hearts for the last maybe 40 minutes of that game. And the promise of where it can then end up going in subsequent installments is very interesting to me. So I liked it a lot. Uh, I am real interested to see where they go with it, and that is why it is my number three game of the year. Okay. I, I liked it. It just... Um, that wall market segment is such a slog. that It just killed it all momentum, and I just never picked it up again. Are you telling me you don't like Chocobo Sam, the character who you voiced in Final Fantasy VII Remake, Larry Davis? I mean, I like him, but the rest of that segment... Yeah. I, I couldn't <laughs> carry the whole thing on my back. The issue. Yeah, I did my best Sam Elliott impression for it. Yeah. Um, Look, uh yeah, like that is easily the worst stretch of that game. It is a complete slog. They they put way too much just little like busy work there to do, which like that was always in the original game. Like that was kind of a sec a section where things slowed down and you had to just like engage with these little mini games and stuff to slowly kind of progress the story. But it's still, like, in the original, it took maybe half an hour to get through. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's stretched to, like, five or six hours. Yeah. Of just garbage. Um, and then, like, when you come back there later and you help out Chocobo Sam, uh, which, of course, you know, you voiced all the lines. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I know. Yeah, you, you unlock the fast travel system, which is only usable in that stretch from Aerith's house, or, or I'm sorry, the church through wall market and like the area by Aerith's house which only matters for like a two hour section of the game because <laughs> right. like as soon as you're done with that stuff you have maybe like a couple other things to do and then you're never coming back there again you're just going to shenra tower so there's no point to the fast travel system in it it's just more busy work to do it's only there if you want all the trophies basically but yeah, uh, like it's not a it's not a flawless game, but the actual like segments where you're just basically in a dungeon and you're pushing ahead and you're fighting enemies and you're getting into big crazy boss fights, like that stuff is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, actually my main issue is probably that the AI is absolute garbage and will not do anything on their yeah. own. Let me I set hope up that the yeah, I hope that in like future installments they give you more like granular control over the AI. Like in in other games like that where the AI is just kind of doing their own thing, you could at least set it to like, hey, prioritize healing, prioritize attack, go after this enemy or that enemy. You can like, do that's that in Kingdom Hearts. 
Yeah, you can do that in Kingdom Hearts. For some reason, it's not in this one. Um, And I think the reason that is, is they want you to consistently be swapping between characters. Yeah. They want you to diversify your load. Yeah. I kind of like that system, though. Like, having each character set up to have a different utility and then swapping between them whenever you need to make use of that utility is a lot of fun for me. I, I really like the ATB system where you actually kind of like pause combat and then flick through like different spells and stuff like that is a much better way to handle magic casting than in kingdom hearts where you need to do it on the fly. And so you have to do a lot of very clunky menuing while running around, trying not to get hit by enemies that are going completely bonkers. So I think in, in this case, in theory, that's right. I, I do like that in theory. The issue is, again, the AI just will not build their ATB bars. They just stand around and yeah. don't attack. If they at least would attack and so whenever you'd switch to them, you would have full ATB. Sure. That would be totally fine. But instead, yeah. like, switching to Barrett and he's just, I don't know, been standing there the whole time and having to shoot a bunch in order to do anything is really annoying. Yeah, that's something that I hope that they solve and like, you know, whenever this next one comes out, like being able to have them prioritize building a TB or prioritize healing or just prioritizing doing like regular damage. That way, when I'm not actually controlling them, they're still doing something that benefits me yeah. rather than just kind of standing around or aiming at something that is like not actively fucking me. Also, I just always want to play as Tifa. I just want to be punching yes. everything super fast. Tifa is the best character in that game. Correct. Uh, yeah, I had like a lot of times where Barrett is shooting at an enemy that is like not a turret. And it's like, dude, I okay, now I need to switch over to you and take the turret out because the other characters cannot reliably reach this thing because it's like hanging on a, on a wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't want to be doing that right now. Oh, yeah. I just want to be punching things. Is really bad in general also. Yeah. But yeah, I still like the game. It It like everything else we have named so far in our top fives, it has some problems with it. Uh, but I still enjoy it a whole lot. Like I said, I'm really interested to see where they go from here. So. So for my number three, something that has a whole lot of problems, but I still like a lot. 13 Sentinels. Is it too long? Yes. Does it have pacing problems? Absolutely. Uh, does the game aspect... Is it pretty much irrelevant? Uh, yeah, pretty much. But guess what? Is it a video game? No, nah, not really. <laughs> it's technically a video game. <laughs> uh, I put it into my PlayStation and played it, so it's technically a it's video technically, game. Yeah, it's technically a video game in the same way that a comic book is technically a book. I would say a comic book not... is more of a book. Like, 13 <laughs> Sentinels is more of a book than a video game, but yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fair. Uh... Yeah, so it, it's a visual novel of a almost startling purity, which is that you're going to be spending all of your time listening to people talk and reading text. Oh, um, you got to keep it pure. Yeah, just want to be pure. Yeah. Um, but it's very good at that. The plot is really engaging, despite again being too long, uh, having pacing issues. The specifically. The way it locks you out of certain threads means you'll spend time doing stuff that seems to have pretty much no relevance to the overall plot. It should do a better job of actually directing you where you're supposed to be going, like what characters you should be playing, because you can just spend a long time 
doing nothing, really. And there are characters who seem like they will be relevant, but they really aren't. Um, but it all does come together at the end, and I just really liked it. That's all I got to say. If you like sci-fi stories, if you like anime, uh, if you're a friend of Jim Belushi, as they call it, um, check out 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. If you can, I think it might be out of print now. You know I what know. I think this is? What? I think this is like you hit hour 80 of this game and you were like, oh, I spent all this time in it, so I have to like it. <laughs> no, I I was liking it. It was just that it was that middle This is stretch. your version of me buying Sonic Forces and going like, well, I have to get all the Platinum achievements because they got my $20. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Look, I'm glad you enjoyed 13 Sentinels because I know from talking with you, uh, and some of those conversations recorded for posterity on the podcast that you seemed like you were not going to enjoy that game by the end of it. No, it was just, gl- it, it was the equivalent of the wall market basically. Yeah. Um, and again, that was because of the way it doesn't really properly guide you to what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Uh, because it happened that that middle segment was when I was playing characters that I thought I was saving them until later because I thought they would be like the central characters. It turns out, no, like basically nothing happens in their stories. Um, None of this matters. Yeah. Yeah. It don't matter. None, it of, this don't, it don't matter. None of this matters. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I'm that, glad that, that you ended up enjoying that game by the end of it. Yes. And, and also one of the characters is their whole story is pretty repetitive. Like it's kind of just the same thing over and over. Which, again, that's a case where you should be playing one segment of it and then going over to someone else and then going back to her. Um, but there's nothing to stop you from just going straight through. And so that's what I did. Yeah. Number two. Number two. Number two. Why don't you start with number two this time? Okay. My number two is Demon Souls. Maybe you've heard it's of it. It's also my number two. Ooh. We are weirdly synced up. The shocking development. In this year's Golden Gizmos. Yeah, it kind of helps that there's much fewer games for <laughs> both yeah. of us to play. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the same small group of games has to end up on each other's list. Mm. Yeah. So, this is something that I saw debated a lot online at the time of the Game Awards, and it turned out it didn't really matter because The Last of Us won absolutely everything. Uh, which is whether or not Demon's Soul should count for a Game of the Year discussions because it is just a remake. And no, remakes count. Remasters I, I think... Y- yeah. And so that's kind of the thing, though, with Demon's Souls, though. And, and I briefly got into this with somebody until realizing we were just kind of, like, arguing the same point, just with different words. <laughs> um, that, like, there's a spectrum of remakes. And like on one end, you have stuff like the Resident Evil 3 remake where they changed mm. quite a bit of that game to modernize it. And yeah. then there's the Demon's Souls remake where it is slavishly accurate to the original game, sometimes to his detriment. Sure. Like, uh, which I, is the reason say, why it's held back from being number one. For yeah, De- but, De- Demon's Souls remake is almost like just a remaster. It's just that I would yes. feel like the uh, amount of new assets in it is what makes it a remake. Otherwise, it would be pretty close to a remaster. My understanding is they reused a bunch of code from yeah. the original game, 
which tracks because a lot of the AI in that game behaves precisely the same as in the original version. I think that's Blue Point's Man whole thing Eater, is that they basically have the original game running underneath yeah. the skin, essentially. Yeah, Man Eater still sometimes likes to just fuck off and not <laughs> actually come back around to let you bop him in the head. Same with gargoyles um, in that level. Yeah. The, um, Which is how skeleton. I was able to beat Maneater again, is one of them decided that he was just going to, like, fly away and let me fight the other one. The skeletons sometimes just get caught on uh, ankle-high barriers and roll endlessly. Oh, yeah, they do. Uh, you can stand yeah. in the same areas to make them roll off cliffs. They, the one big thing that they changed is that it, they, the enemies don't like ragdoll and get stuck to you. Which, going back and playing the Dark Souls remaster... I've kind of come around on that change because I've had a lot of times where in Dark Souls an enemy will drop an item and I really need to pick it up and then their body falls off the level and now I can't get the item anymore. Yeah. And like in, in Demon Souls, I think that there are a lot more like precarious segments of levels where you are just kind of tight roping it and that if an enemy drops something that you need and they fall off the level, you're kind of boned. Mm -hmm. Um. But that said, it is a bummer that I can't, like, have a dragling flail around on my leg as I'm running through the level. Sure. But on the other hand, now you can, like, break barrels and it doesn't make the entire game chug for three seconds. That's true. The, the way that fire works in that game is neat, too, in, in that, like, things burn differently. Yeah. And particles. Oh, the particles are pretty. Flame Lurker looks, looks so good. Game. It does. Yes. The Bulletaria, though, looks terrible because they changed the design of what? Bulletaria, Larry. Oh, it's no. no longer brutalism. The man-eater no longer looks like a weird statue golem. This game makes me so angry I'm going to take a shit. Okay. I, actually, I really love Demon's Souls. Um, yeah, like, I, I guess it it is a... Like you said, it it blurs the line between remaster and remake because it is very much just that game running under a new skin. But at the same time, God, Demon's Souls is so good. And that is such a big release here at the end of the year and for this new console that it would feel weird to not let it just have a place on the game of the year list. Yeah, like the thing uh, is, if Demon's Souls had not been a launch game for a PS5, I probably would have just resold mine. Like for as much as people are willing to pay for them And that's the thing yeah. People are clamoring for PS5s Just because they're the new thing If you're not into Demon's Souls I have no idea why anybody would care Well, uh, let me tell you about a little game called Godfall <laughs> Oh yeah, the killer app <laughs> Yeah Have you seen the hair in FIFA? Oh, well that's a good That point. has been $500 to see the hair in FIFA Uh yeah, there's um, there was a YouTuber. I think I brought him up on the podcast before. Uh, Katakaris, I think that is the guy's name. I'm not like oh. super into his videos because I've I've made this point on Twitter that the the YouTube channels for gaming that I tend to follow are the ones that get more into like the technical aspects of retro gaming and like documenting prototypes and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know who the fuck Scott the Waz is, and I don't give a shit. But I've seen a few of. Caddy Carus's videos and he's kind of in that same vein of trying real hard to do funny comedy bits 
And like I I still nonetheless sit through some of his videos because the premises behind them are so bizarre. Like there was one where he just went to get all the time trial relics in all of the Crash Bandicoot games, and I was like, well, I need to watch this, because who the fuck does that? That is insane. You'll never catch us see the doing, mental... like, a comedy bit to open this. No, definitely not. No. Uh, better than that. But, like, I, I need to see the mental toll that that takes on somebody. Uh, but he did one that was, he spent $1,200 on a PlayStation 5 and, like, all the games that had come out for it, including, you know, stuff like Assassin's Creed, which is a multi-console launch, mm-hmm. to reach the conclusion that basically there's no games on the console. <laughs> like, there's nothing that really sold him on it. Uh, so congratulations for spending that much money to realize that, like, eh, everything's just kind of okay. Yeah. But, like, for us, we both really like Demon Souls. That's and right. so, like, that's a game that absolutely sells the console for freaks like you and me. Uh, I really liked Astro's Playroom, even though that is just a pack-in thing. I think that is a really cool tech demo. Sure, it That, is. if I had a top ten, probably would have ended up in the top ten. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah. If you're buying a PlayStation 5, you had better, like, Souls games or at least really want more of that Spider-Man game. Yeah. Like, precisely about five more hours of Spider-Man. But that's also on PS4, though. That's the thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is. I keep forgetting about that. Yeah. There, so, was, yeah. A, there anyway, was an IGN yeah. article that was like, the top ten games on PS5, and uh, Ghost of Tsushima was there, and God of War, and those aren't PS5 games. Sorry, IGN. Yeah. Doesn't count. Look, my point is, if you spend 1200 bucks on a PlayStation 5, you're a fool. Oh yeah, don't do that. I I think for a lot of people, it's not even worth five hundred dollars right now. So yeah, that's my point. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I, but for I, us, I just it's got the backwards compatibility and it lets me play One Piece Pirate Warriors three at sixty frames per second. So so that's, that's part fine. of what you know that is part of the appeal for me too. Is I've been kind of sitting on a lot of PlayStation 4 games that I want to play that I just know we're not going to run optimally yep. on my base PS4. And so getting the PS5 is like, oh, that opens up a bunch of other games that I want to sit down and play again. Uh, or for the for the first time that I've just had kind of like backlog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. it, it runs uh, Judgment decently now, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. This is a big roundabout way, though, of saying that it should not come as a surprise that Demon Souls is number two on our list because that is a game that landed very hard for us back in the day on the PlayStation 3. And we ostensibly bought a PlayStation 5 at launch to play Demon Souls. Like, yeah. that was the thing, right? Yep. Yeah. So I like so, it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Catacorus, the happiness of Catacorus. That's right. The classic Takashi Miku movie, Happiness <laughs> yes. of Katakuris. I am sorry that Sony gave you a free PlayStation 5 and you canceled your pre-order and yet they've not given you your money back. That sucks. I hope you had fun with Astro's Playroom. Alright, then what is your number one? I am very interested to hear what this is because I have no idea what it could be if Demon Souls is two. Spider-Man Miles Morales is my number one game of the year. Really? Yes. Let me tell you why. Okay. Because the running theme of this top five has been, here are games I like that have some problems with them. Even Demon's Souls, a game I like a whole lot, the problems with that game are the places where they stuck 
like too close to the original and so you have some bad ai stuff going on in that game sure uh there's nothing there that is new or surprising beyond like a clean coat of paint on demon souls if you are you know a fan of the original and and for me that is more than enough but miles morales is damn near flawless i can't think of any one particular part of that game that i disliked playing I can't really think of any one particular part of that game that stood out to me as like, oh, they really could have done this better, or this is a problem, or I uh, this is making me bounce off of it and I want to go do something else. Like, it is a very solid game. I think that it owes a lot of that to trimming off all the fat from the original Spider-Man for the PS4, not having to do all like the crime stuff and, you know, extemporaneous side missions that just do not feel good and feel like dull busy work all the side missions in this feel fairly unique from one another and worth engaging with and even the collectible stuff is not so great in number that it is completely approachable uh i i just feel it's a very focused experience and it does everything it sets out to do very well and you know brought it up earlier in this podcast i think as far as a graphical showcase of what the playstation 5 can do it is incredible it yeah. is a really good way to show all that stuff off, like right out of the gate. And the fact that that looks and runs as well as it does sells me on the promise of what they could do with that Spider-Man 2 game that they are definitely working on because they, yeah. again, set up that sequel at the end of this one. So I, I had a really good time with Miles Morales. I think it's a great game. That's surprising to me that you'd put it at one um, because you haven't really talked that much about it actually but i guess considering you went through the effort of platinuming it and everything i guess it shouldn't be too much of a surprise i still haven't played that much of it Uh, i played some of it it was like yep this is spider-man again and that was kind of it take an afternoon to finish it because that's pretty much all it takes (laughs) i will i've just been um trying to get through other stuff at the moment but yeah well that's i think that's also part of why it takes number one for me is just that i'd work full time and you know it's sometimes it's hard to find the time and the energy to want to really sit down and play a you know invest time into a big video game uh and so miles morales gave me that kind of open game or i'm sorry open world experience without having to invest like 40 50 hours into doing everything well sure so i i got that that, that taste is something that like i want very rarely in a much more like palatable size 50 dollars though yeah like in a in a previous year that might have been able to hit the best game under 30 um yes as uh uncharted would have i think back in the day well that's you know i I played uncharted lost legacy uh just like the other week and that is a very comparable game and that mm-hmm. i think it is better than <laughs> the game that it spun off of absolutely and and again, it it owes it to just really sitting down and just trying to focus on what feels good about the game that it spins off of, rather than just going like, oh, well, we got to put all this bullshit in so we can charge full price and have people not get mad at us. Like, I wish more games would just focus on being like more more focused experiences in the way that Miles Morales is. And I know I'm saying that a lot, but it's because I, I really really mean it. <laughs> there are too many games. They're just bloated with stuff I don't care about now because they need to make it feel like it's worth that $60, $70 price tag. 
And I'd rather pay that money for a game that is just going to be so good that I really can't think of much to harp on it for without like digging. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's your number one? My number one is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Again, mm. as I said, uh, one of the best search action games I've played. I actually think it's better than like Symphony of the Night, Super Metroid. Uh, I think it's blasphemous. Actually... What? <laughs> blasphemous. Well, I'm joking. So I, I I say that because a lot of people would mistakenly hoist Symphony of the Night up as like the best, even though I think that's just a lot of nostalgia. I don't think that's the best of that kind of game. No. Um, but just a phenomenal game. Everything about it, the art is amazing in it. Uh, way better than the first game. The first one had a bit of like that flash animation look to it. Uh, it's clear like from the success that it had, they were able to up the ante quite a bit for the sequel. Um, the level design is also just much better in the sequel. The combat is hugely improved uh, because it doesn't have the weird like homing projectile thing. Instead, you just have um regular melee attacks uh again looks great especially this is one that i would recommend making sure that your hdr settings are on for uh because with ori himself just being like a white sprite character uh the contrast makes the levels really pop in a way that a lot of games don't see Um, see that's uh I've, i've been talking to you about how the hdr feature on my tv does not work the way that it should Mm-hmm. And uh, I am thinking of buying a new TV where the HDR does work because I really would like to use that on my PlayStation Five. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, I I have seen footage of that game, and I imagine with HDR on, that thing really pops. Oh yeah, yeah, it looks incredible. Um, but yeah, that that's just it. it's it's a simpler game. Again, it's a smallish budget game, but. It's stuck with me in a way that a lot of games I've played this year have not. Um, especially the ending, which, if you want to cry at a video game, play Ori and the Will of the Wisps, because the end of that will really get you. If you're when Luke Skywalker uh, showed up in Battlefront 2, I got all teary eyed. <laughs> oh no, a Microsoft like a guy again. is in my mentions telling me that emotions are not for sharing. <laughs> uh, Pablo did nothing wrong. I'm on Team Pablo. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, but yeah, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, my number one game of the year, winner of the Golden Gizmo for me personally. Mm. Uh, but I think this means that our overall winner for Golden Gizmo is Demon Souls. Congratulations, Demon Souls and Blue Point. Uh, no credit to From Software at all. You nope. guys don't deserve it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you guys. You made a good into making a good game. Yes. You've consistently made good games despite yourselves. Well, I don't know about that. Oh. Consistently oh, d- is Dark not Souls something 2. that I would say about Dark Souls 2 is not as good as Dark Souls 1 simply because Miyazaki had nothing to do with it. Uh, that is what the internet has told me, and that is what I believe. Uh. God. God. Yeah. Now, D- Demon Souls is probably my favorite of the souls games similar for miles morales i just i feel that it, it it focuses much more on just being a simpler straightforward experience it doesn't bog itself down with a bunch of bullshit yeah you know you go from that to dark souls which i've done recently and it's just like here's a million covenants 
and like two of them are fun and they don't even work also i'll say about miles morales i think um the venom powers do a lot to help that game yeah because the combat in the original spider-man game was really repetitive it was just jump in the air yank an enemy up hit them yank another one up hit them like that was basically (laughs) it the new game plus for miles morales is something that i would encourage everyone who has that game to sit down and actually play both because you can beat it very quickly so it doesn't overstay its welcome but also having all of your abilities unlocked from the start and being able to chain those is it it feels really good you can just wall up the rhino yeah god i beat the rhino's ass at the start of that game on new game plus Mm -hmm. because you could just you already have like so much venom meter by that point that you can just chain it over and over again yeah 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 well congratulations uh demon souls that's right demon souls winning game of the year in 2020 what the hell and congratulations to ori and miles morales for their individual gizmos just they're smaller gizmos but they still count They're the goofy-eyed Gizmo from uh, Gremlins 2, like before he got Daffy. turned into a proper Gremlin. Yes, I'm sorry, I'd forgotten. But yeah, like if you had a smaller version of the Gizmos, it would be Daffy before he got Gremlinized. Yeah, Grimification. Well, speaking of Gremlins, Larry, I think that does it for the Golden Gizmos. But you and I are still going to have to sit here for oh, another God. hour and talk about how bad 2020 was also yeah yeah all the positivity is gone is is less us only only hate remains and so if you want a real hateful podcast listen on to the golden grimmies uh we'll be back for that i love you all see you later bye bye happy new year happy new year